Hi, I'm Lily Head, and welcome to another one of my Dental Business Transaction Podcasts. Um, all our podcasts are available on our website, lilyhead.co.uk, and they are basically discussions with industry experts and colleagues on a variety of subjects relevant and topical right now. Podcasts are available very simply. You can download them through Apple, Podbean, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and there are some videoed versions of our discussions through our YouTube channel, so please do download and follow. And today, I welcome back Eddie Crouch, Chairman of the BDA. Morning, Eddie. Great to talk to you again. How are you? Um, I'm very well, thank you very much. Still very, very busy, but uh, thankfully I'm in good health, and uh, yeah, I've had my first vaccine, obviously, a few weeks back, and... Um, Many of my colleagues have had them, so uh, we, we're hearing about 80% now of the dental teams have been vaccinated, so that's good news. I'm waiting for my letter yet. We're great to, I've never thought I'd look forward to having an injection, but I really am. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. How are you coping, Eddie? I mean, I know how busy you are. Um, you know, how are things? Yeah, it, it's, it's full on still. Uh, you know, I, I've been... I had an evening meeting on Monday, got an evening meeting tonight, I've uh, got an evening meeting... Uh, yesterday. So, you know, three evenings in, in a row, still doing sort of a uh, huge number of hours every day in meetings and uh, uh, trying to sort of catch up with clinical things as well. I was in practice Monday morning, I was in practice yesterday morning, juggling a bit, I'd say, is how I'm coping at the moment. But um, I, I'm getting more into a pattern, I think, you know, the, the the, the, the real thing about uh, the situation at the moment is obviously because we can do so many meetings like this, you know, it's it's nothing like what people were doing previously. Um, you know, my predecessor, Mick Armstrong, used to go to London an awful lot to meetings, um, but it wasn't so easy to organise meetings at a drop of the hat. Um, and, and so my volume of meetings has been huge. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm managing to contribute. I'm, I'm getting lots of information from the people I'm meeting. I'm, I think we're making some progress on various things. We're not making progress on everything, but, you know, I'm pretty pleased with the way things are going, really. I was going to ask you, you know, what, what would you say is, a, as an overview, what's a typical week in your life, a week in the life of Eddie Crouch? Well, it, it, even even at times when I'm not at meetings, sometimes, I mean, for example, this afternoon I'm going to uh, the Scottish Dental Practice Committee um, and there's probably about, you know, three, two to three hours reading ahead of some meetings like that where you've got to read the papers so you can contribute really well to the meeting and understand what's happening there. Um, on Friday I've got a meeting that's virtually going to explain extend all day and you know the papers for that are probably going to take me the best part of half a day to read uh, so that I can contribute um, yeah. so preparation work uh, for that as well as you know I, I'm in practice still uh, finding that more and more difficult to to deal with but I still enjoy seeing patients in, in a good week, uh, in a good week, I, I might do two and a half days in practice. Um, some weeks I'm only doing half a day. Um, uh, and I've got very, very supportive teams around me who will pick up when, when I'm not able to go in and see the patients. So uh, I work in very supportive environments where uh, other members of the team see patients if they've got problems for me. Uh, and that's great. You know, it's um, they're... they're, they're 
they're incredibly supportive and without them I pr- probably couldn't do the, the things that I'm doing at the moment. It's about that support of teamwork isn't it, being able to lean on them. In your role at the BDA, do you have, what kind of support do you have? Do you have sort of um, a secretarial or administrative backup support? Yeah, all of the committees have allocated secretaries, um, uh, so depending on which committee is meeting, they will have an, uh, an allocated secretary who does all the, the background work and puts all the papers together and the minutes of the meeting and things like that. But I have I have someone at the BDA who's fantastic, Alison McGee. She organises my diary for me um, uh, and slots in requests for meetings and things like that and and juggles me around when I need to be juggled around and gives me plenty of warning when I need to cancel things you know with with clinics so um she's like Miss Moneypenny (laughs) yeah I mean Alison Alison is fabulous I mean she organizes the diary of uh, a chief executive and uh and the president of the BDA and me and uh Often she has to uh, juggle some of the diaries of, of my vice chairs as well. So, yeah, um, yeah she, she, without her, I think the whole system would fall apart. You always need someone like that, don't you? Otherwise, you'd just go crazy, wouldn't you, really, with the, with the pressure of everything. And, and this sounds a daft question to ask you, but do you manage to sleep all right at night? Because I often find the busier you are, the more active your brain is. Do you find that you're absolutely exhausted when you hit the pillow? Or are you, is your brain whirring, ready for the next day's challenges? Yeah, I, I, I rarely have a problem in going to sleep. I mean, sometimes, for example, uh, you know, if you're if you're going to do a, a big media interview uh, in on breakfast uh, sort of media in the morning, it, it, it disturbs your sleep because you're yeah. thinking through what what sort of questions mm-hmm. you might be asked and and how you might answer that and how you approach it. Uh, and despite the fact that you know that you are going to know far more than the person who's asking you the questions. There's an element of doubt that you, you'll get something wrong, you'll get a fact wrong, you'll get something wrong yeah. in, in the interview. And social media is a, a great supportive place, but if you do get something wrong, they let you know about it. <laughs> yeah, it, ha- it has been brutal for, 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 for me and for other colleagues, but also it's, it's been a fantastic avenue to, to actually get information out to people. But I, 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 generally, I, I go to bed at night and I'm pretty knackered uh, yeah. and I hit the pillow and I do go to sleep um, but I do find I probably wake up you know a little bit earlier than I previously did you know mm. with my mind getting active for the day ahead. I'm glad you do. Um, what sort of what sort of media can we look forward to seeing you on shortly? Are you going to be on the TV shortly again with anything else? Any other releases or information broadcasts? Um, well I think the big thing at the moment is still about the, the target issue that um, you know, that's been enforced on dentists in, in England, the 45% for general dental services and the 70% for ortho. Um, Healthwatch have been really um, supportive, actually. I mean, they've done quite a lot of work, which shows the problems that patients have had, not only through the pandemic, but also after the pandemic, you know, since we've gone back since the 8th of June, it's been difficult. Um, and they've, you know... Bizarrely, uh, you know, Healthwatch rarely produce reports about one issue twice in in the same year, but they've done two reports recently on dentistry because of the problems that are there. Uh, And, you know, I've been talking to people at Healthwatch. uh, Robert, uh, Sir Robert Francis, who did the um, inquiry into the 
uh, Staffordshire uh, issues with the Mid-Staffs Inquiry. Um, he's, he's senior now in Health Watch, and he was on Radio 4 the, the other morning talking about dentistry, talking about the issues that are there, because there were issues with dentistry pre-COVID, but they've just been exacerbated. Uh, he was calling upon uh, the, the Health Select Committee to look into dentistry, uh, there was an inquiry that was started um, pre-election um, by Jeremy Hunt when he was uh, in charge of the Health Select Committee. He um, uh, th th that inquiry was actually abandoned because of the fact that um, there was a snap election called by Boris Johnson in November 2019. And we've been campaigning really for a Health Select Committee inquiry into dentistry for quite a long time since that was abandoned. Um, Mick Armstrong, my predecessor, gave evidence to the Health Select Committee that was inquiring about the effects of the pandemic uh, during the summer. And Jeremy Hunt said, um, you know, dentistry needs to be looked at. And so we've been banging the door at the Health Select Committee to get them to uh, restart the investigation. And this week I had a meeting with... Um, an MP from Coventry who is on the Health Select Committee, and she was very encouraged uh, by what we were saying and, and, and interested in actually taking that back to the Health Select Committee to see if we can get that going. Um, Monday m morning, I was on uh, a phone-in with Nikki Campbell uh, on Radio 5 Live because of the Health Watch uh, report about the issues of people having to wait such a long time to get into a dentist and also some of the, the bad stories about people who were being coerced into having treatments uh, privately rather than on the NHS uh, and how expensive that was. Uh, so it's quite difficult sometimes when you go on the media that you, you, uh, you promote the, the, the profession as best you can, but sometimes there are some actions that have carried out yeah. by the profession that's quite hard to defend. Yeah. Is that something that is an escalating issue with people being sort of forced, coerced into taking the private route? Is it something that you've seen a huge uptake in? No, I, I think the vast majority of colleagues have tried to do the right thing. Um, I think actually the... The, the stories I'm hearing at the moment, I was talking to an orthodontist the other day and they hadn't, uh, well, they hadn't taken on a new private patient um, since the 1st of January because they're so focused at the moment in hitting this 70% target for units of orthodontic activity that they need to deliver before the end of March. Um, but, uh, I mean, there are circumstances where, you know, it, it, most practices work in a mixed model where they rely on the private uh, support of their income to, to actually continue to provide NHS services. Um, uh, and, and, and sometimes I think the problem is with communication to patients, uh, because if 50% of your week previously was devoted to private treatment uh, and you've got spaces in your diary on those 50% of days, uh, patients perceive that they're, they're being denied the treatment on the NHS um, and being coerced into private treatment when in reality it's because there's availability of appointments yeah. in their private element of their diary which weren't there uh, or are not there in their NHS diary. So patients perceive that they're being tricked into having private treatment. Um, but we know, I mean, pre-COVID, pre you know, the budget for, for NHS dentistry only covered half the population anyway. Uh, so we had a problem pre-COVID and it's just got worse with yeah. the effects of COVID. Looking ahead, Eddie, what are going to be, obviously this is taking up an awful lot of your time. 
Um, looking ahead for February, March, you know, the spring months ahead, what are your, going to be your key focuses in your role there at the BDA? Yeah, at a national level, we're negotiating, obviously, what's going to happen from the 1st of April. We're still not happy about the targets that have been set, and I'm really worried about mm-hmm. uh, practices that, you know, did deliver below 36% of their units of dental activity. The financial penalty to to those practices is going to be huge. Um, And so I'm worried about the stability of those practices. But we are negotiating with NHS England uh, what what the the new contract year will look like. We've got uh, a roundtable with the office of the CDO coming up in a few weeks' time where we're putting forward some ideas on what we think is a a fair way forward to actually get... um, more patients seen and, and, and re-establish services as we come out of the pandemic. Uh, so a lot of our focus is on that. Um, we continue to try and argue for support for all elements of dentistry. Uh, you know, secondary care is in a, a particularly difficult place as well at the moment. I was on a meeting last night where um, some of my colleagues who work in hospital dentistry are still being uh, redeployed in other areas of the health service. And, you know, when, when waiting lists in secondary care have doubled since the pandemic, we need them back doing what they should be doing, treating patients for dental issues, not, not actually working in hospitals, turning patients over. We know that's important, um, but, you know, other people within the health uh, service should be there to actually do that work so uh, that yeah. these specialists can can do their own work really. I think it's interesting to hear this because people don't have any idea of what really goes on behind the scenes and the demands on everybody and as you just mentioned about this secondary care this redeployment issues you know that will come as a surprise I think to a lot of people um, and, and I'm really heartened to hear about how much you and on behalf of the BDA are going out there doing fighting to to helping dentists to be heard and to help them, because without that support, it really could be quite a bleak outcome for them all. So, you know, I think that you're doing a great job, and I know how hard and passionate you work. Yeah, I mean, the other issue at the moment that, that I'm really worried about is 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 the people in dental school and, and, and the final year dental students. Um, we've been involved in lots and lots of uh, discussions um, with Health Education England and with the Dental Schools Council. We're really keen to make sure that you know that they they get the experience they need to to graduate this summer yeah. uh, we we were involved last week with a story that was breaking in Scotland um, where STV picked up a story that perhaps Scottish dental students would actually be kept back a whole year um, and so we're arguing for support for those students, you know, financially, uh, you know, a whole year's... I mean, dental students come out with, with big um, overdrafts generally, but ha- adding another year overdraft uh, to a, a graduate is going to really put them in a terrible place starting their career. Um, and, and obviously balancing that with uh, practices that take these new graduates into their foundation training yeah. schemes... Um, and how you balance the numbers and and obviously a lot of foundation dentists working in general practice have had a, a you know a very distorted year this year getting experience in their first year as a qualified dentist let's let's talk a little bit about mental health issues because we are certainly seeing clients that are coming to us who are at various points of readiness to to sell their practice and you know sadly we do see cases when people have reached that point where they can't really do this for very much longer. Um, 
What's the BDA doing to support people with mental health issues that have been really exacerbated by COVID? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a meeting with uh, Claire, uh, Dame Claire Gerard uh, a few weeks back. Um, she she um, is very instrumental in, in an NHS service that's there for, for dentists to actually get support, um, the Practitioner Health Support Scheme. Uh, and we were talking about, you know, the, the volume of, dentists that were actually presenting to that scheme and she was saying you know about uh, about 20 dentists a month were actually presenting you know with severe problems she said it was it was marked that dentists when they presented to these um, support schemes were in a much worse position than any other one any other person that presented from healthcare. Really? dentists try to cope uh, for for a long period of time before they actually suddenly realise that they can't cope anymore. We are, I think, by nature, coping people. We've had to be, really, over careers and things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when they present, um, they're, they're, you know, needing far, far more intense help than any anyone else from healthcare at the moment. And the BDA, obviously, we provide a, a mental health support for members, the Health Assured Programme. The numbers of people that are presenting there are are huge, um, uh, you know, a massive spike in the numbers that they yeah. previously looked after. And, and it's it's understandable, the, the yeah. pressures, uh, you know, day in, day out, we've had to cope with working in a completely different way, uh, a totally different environment in the practice. Yeah. Um, patient complaints, I think, now are, are starting to rise from what I hear from the GDC. You know, patients were understanding at the beginning, but it's got worse, I'm afraid. And patience is wearing thin for everyone, really. Yeah. When you get when you get pressures, financial pressures like this target has actually put on yeah. practitioners, uh, that pressure increases again. And uh, you know, lateral flow testing of staff, staff going off with um, having to self isolate uh, because of other members of their family yeah. that have picked up COVID. Um, you know, the difficulties with the weather. I mean, the weather recently has been pretty awful. Um, and you, you've got a target to juggle and, and you haven't got patients that are coming through the door. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's very difficult. It's tough times ahead. Spring is coming now, Eddie. Sunshiny here in Birmingham today. And, you know, <laughs> bloody cold. Minus it, seven the sunshine, in the yeah. Minus seven, could you believe yeah, it? Mind you, it's minus yeah, 35 uh, in Calgary. We're all right. Yeah, Shouldn't yeah. complain. Um, now, let's, one last question I have for you. Um, let's talk about CQC. <laughs> because, as you know, I've been discussing with you, there's you know, even bigger delays in CQC. So thank you, by the way, for your reaching out to CQC to bring it to their attention about the issues there, um, holding up delays of people's sale transactions. Um, what's the latest your end? Well, I'm still waiting to, for an official response to the letter that you. Uh, I'm, I think you've promoted that letter, and thank you for promoting that. What we what we're trying to do. Um, yesterday, I had a, a conversation with senior people at CQC, and um, that they were very apologetic. Uh, that, um, a lot of their staff who were involved in the reg or re-registration process have been seconded to other areas of the CQC and that they, the workforce that they've had to, to deal with the, the backlog has been a problem, but they're promising me that that is about to be sorted out. Um, they tell me that, that what the figures that you you gave me, that, um, that some of these practices have waited you know, from September 
early October to actually have their application actually looked at. Uh, they're telling me that they are working hard now to try and get through a backlog of, uh, of applications. They're telling me also that they're going to prioritise the ones with transaction dates or uh, dates that are imminent rather than, um, you know, doing them on, on a... So they're basically triaging the, the applications to find the most urgent to look at. Uh, so that may help you. Um, That's music to my ears, Eddie. Know, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the whole process was was something that was wrong for quite a long time. Uh, it's been far too complicated. Uh, and and the other promise I got from them yesterday, that they were going to try and look at the whole process and try and streamline it and make it far, far easier. Um but they they tell me that they've they've already looked uh, uh, at about a thousand practices um, in their remote um, uh, uh, sort of uh, inspection process that they've been doing, uh, and they've got about twenty seven inspectors uh, working in whole time equivalent on doing that. Um, so it looks as though probably. Uh, that aspect of uh, the CQC activity is is actually working quite well, but this registration process needs sorting out. Mm. Well, that sounds very heartening. Very, that's good news. I'm certainly going to deliver that to my team. And thank you very much for your input on that, because you know sometimes you just need to poke a stick through the bars, don't you, and give it a bit of a rattle, and you've got the great result. So let's yeah, just keep, I mean, what, watch this space. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the great things now is that you know. Uh, People do respond when I, when I write a letter or I uh, you know send an email. Uh, you know the, the the authority of the job actually carries quite a lot of weight, thankfully, and people don't ignore. You know, as as Eddie Crouch, dentist in 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 South Birmingham, sending an email, it didn't really cut it. Sometimes you're being modest. You're not a man who gets ignored <laughs> readily. I can I know that much about you. That's great. No, but well done. No, seriously. no, I. I, I, I I, I, I'm persistent. I, I am persistent. I don't. I don't drop anything because uh, if I if I sense unfairness, I you know it's always been in my in my makeup to actually you know pursue a, a point until till we get uh, you know some sort of answer. Um, I mean, yeah. last night I was on a meeting with NHS England, and we were talking about the uh, the clinical input that's actually been put into NHS England's theory and modelling about how these targets are achievable. And, uh, you know, a simple question asking who actually has given them uh, the clinical input for orthodontics? Who was the, the high street orthodontist or someone working in primary care that told them that 70% activity in a UOA contract was deliverable? And I didn't get any answers. Uh, you know, no, no one could give me a name of anyone that given them that advice and you know I'm not going to let that drop because you know when a minister stands up in parliament and says uh, these targets have been uh, put forward with clinical input we need to know who these people are that are giving that clinical input and I won't let that drop. Well that's all very good to hear Eddie and thanks again for your time it's really great to get an update it sounds to me like uh, there is a little bit of light peeping through there a bit of sunlight coming in for us all um, keep up the very hard work um, and again lovely to talk to you hopefully we'll catch up again soon perhaps in a couple of months see what's happening in the springtime and I'll be able to report back to you on how CQC submissions are going our end yeah yes. please do keep me informed about that 
No, and, and thank you again, Lily, for a, a lovely chat. No, it's lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much, Eddie. And thank you to our listeners, our value clients. I hope you've enjoyed this discussion today. Uh, don't forget, you can listen to this and a variety of other topics on our Business Dental Transaction podcast series, available on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and video versions on YouTube. And of course, if you need any advice at all or want to discuss any matters surrounding yourself, whether you be looking to buy or sell a dental practice, we can be reached at dentalbrokers at lilyhead.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Goodbye now.